Greetings, superstars. Welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. I'm Danny Katz, transformation agent, empowered badassery coach, and quantum languaging consultant. And I'm so happy you're here. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated version of yourself. We do this by sharing quantum languaging upgrades, conscious communication tools, witchy life hacks, planetary service announcements, and high-vibing, deep-diving conversations with original thinkers, visionary weirdos, and rebel badasses. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. <laughs> Be sure to hit that subscribe button and to join us on Locals at dannycats.locals.com where you can watch the video versions of all our episodes including those that are a little bit too spicy for the non-free speech friendly platforms. And it's also where paid subscribers can tune into the second half of all my interviews and enjoy a plethora of other bonuses, including live monthly Q&As, unpublished writings and videos, and behind the scenes intel. Join our quickly growing tribe of high vibe superstars at dannycats.locals.com. Okay, now that we've got all our housekeeping out of the way, let's enjoy today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by Vincent James, also known as the belligerent agorist on social media. I was excited to have Vince on when he offered me some feedback around my assessment of the Roe versus Wade situation, and I'll include a link to that video and to that episode here. And I wanted to have him on to help bring me and all of us up to date on constitutional law, common law, states' rights, federal rights, and, you know, help set the record straight and help catch me up and all of us up on our actual real deal rights and laws um, versus the sort of sham that has been overlaid atop our justice system, legal system, et cetera, et cetera. Before we get into the conversation, I'm reminding you to hit that subscribe button. And this episode, like all of my episodes, the first half is free for the public. You can find the second half for paid members on my locals page dannycats.locals.com or on my Patreon, patreon.com slash dannycats. While we're at it, I highly recommend signing up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. I promise you I don't share your information with anyone else. I only send out newsletters as a means of keeping you up to date with my offerings, webinars, workshops, live events, books, classes, etc., etc. You will also get a free PDF, Five Quantum Languaging Hacks for Instant Empowerment, so wins abound. And without further ado, buckle up for my conversation with Vincent James.
another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am so blessed to be joined by Vincent James, who we all know as the belligerent, I might be mangling this, agorist? Agorist. Belligerent. Agorist, yeah. Agorist. Mm -hmm. And so I've had the pleasure of being friends with Vincent on social media for a little while now. And over the past couple weeks, there's been all this hullabaloo around Roe. And I put up a video um, offering my two cents. And then Vincent responded, um, calling me in on some of my ignorance about the Constitution and civics and whatnot. So I thought it was really the perfect opportunity to bring Vince on and help break this down and explain, fill in some of the holes that my um, United States standard issue education did not resource me, resource me with. So Vince, welcome. Thank you. Glad, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, a, it's been, a, I've been looking forward to this and thank you for the opportunity. I did catch your uh, interview with Frank. I love Frank, quite frankly, and kudos to you. It's a great interview. It went really well. And uh, I, I am looking forward to reaching an audience with a brain because the problem is a lot of people, um, they don't want to apply their mind to figure, it's not that difficult to figure it out. You just have to assume every time a government entity is talking to you that they're lying because they usually are. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, let's proceed uh, with the agenda. Um, and I'll, I'll uh, will either go to the notes or if you have questions that you want to ask. I have a bunch of questions and I'm, I'm really happy to go off your notes. Um, just so everyone knows, Vince did a lot of pre-prep um, and he's coming very prepared. I'm curious to know a little bit about you and as far as your background and how you came to be so knowledgeable about common law, constitutional law, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, go well, briefly. Um, I was raised in New Jersey and I literally grew up in the shadow of the revolution. Where, from where I lived and where I grew up, within 50 miles was about 90% of George Washington's battle sites or campsites. There's placards all over the place that say, George Washington slept here. My father had a love of history. We would travel every summer up to uh, Boston, Massachusetts. I've been on the Freedom Trail. I think they called the Liberty Trail, Freedom Trail in Boston about a dozen times. I've been to the Constitution Hall been to the Liberty Bell, been all over Boston where most of the uh, founding fathers really started the whole thing. With, and there's a lot of untold history that I saw as a young child. So I was enamored with our history. And I joined the Navy and I moved to Florida, got married, made a big mistake, married the wrong girl and ended up being harassed and nearly destroyed by 20 years of Child Support Enforcement Division over a child that wasn't even mine biologically. So I've been, I guess you could say, harassed and harangued and beaten the crap out of by government my entire life. So it, it kind of pushed me toward educating myself. And about 15 years ago, I began learning the common law. And recently, and I think I shared with you a resource, commonlawyer.com, that I recommend every one of your listeners that they're curious about the root of the Constitution, the context of the Constitution, they check out this gentleman's work, commonlawyer.com. Uh, and from him, I've learned so much. 
And I will preface by saying that uh, Joseph Story, who is a Supreme Court justice, turn of the century, 1900s, said that you can't even understand the Constitution if you don't know about the common law. And I'm learning more and more every day as I study it, that is so true. Like, for example, and I'll give it back to you. The phrase law of the land, that comes right from the Magna Carta, which is where we trace most of our, our liberties back to. That's uh, Latin, the word lex terre, which literally means law of the land. And when, when the colonists heard that word, heard that expression, they knew that that was referring to a set of rights that were ours all the way back to the Magna Carta. Mm -hmm. So that's a little trivia for you on the common law. So Joseph Story said you can't even interpret the Constitution without an understanding of the common law. And so that's where this, the journey for me began with the common law. I began to dabble into that 15 years ago. And now there's a lot of, thankfully, a lot of really great people, um, pioneers. I consider myself a newbie compared to people like Christopher James of warriorcalls.com. There's Alphonse Fajolo which is a brother from another mother up in Pennsylvania. He's on a website called I am has sent me to you.com. Then of course there's Carl Lentz, who is, um, I, his, his website is the lorsociety.com. There's so many great people teaching it now, but just, I'll give it back to you in a minute. But this book right here, you can see it. This is a book called The Excellence of the Common Law. 900 pages long. So, you know, the, 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 the judges on the benches here on Taos County and all over the state will tell you the common law is gone, it's done with. But the reality is, Danny, there is more of a history to the common law as the law of mankind than there is to what they call civil law, which is their law. That's only been around for about 150 years. The common law goes back to 300 BC. So we have a long history of practicing the common law and really what it boils down to is common sense the simple principle of common law is that all of us inherently know right from wrong and we inherently can judge any matter of law and a jury is the ultimate decider of what law really is and we've lost that we got to get back to that and that's why i work with the assembly because we're trying to reconvene our common law jural system where we can empower you and me Anybody else who wants to be involved in fixing this mess that we've had created here on, on American soil by bringing all these matters like grow back before the people and letting the people decide what the law will be. And that's the common law. It's the law of the people, what the people say. So back to you. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for all your service in course correcting our nation. I'm curious when you say that it's impossible to understand constitutional law without understanding common law, how many of our current active lawyers, judges, et cetera, have a working understanding of common law? That's just it, Danny. They don't have any understanding. Uh, they're, the, the bar that is, stands for the British Accreditation Registry is out of the city of London. It's part of the triumvirate, the Vatican, uh, city of London, and of course, DC being the military. And they, uh, they have basically unlawfully usurped our public courthouses. And what they're doing now is they've introduced a private foreign society, a legal society called the bar 
into our common law court system and they've taken it over and they've they basically have done away with the common law and so the bar is they don't train them anything about common law because they're 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 part of a private legal society that is basically communist in its uh in its agenda and they want to supplant religion and law with a with a private law that that doesn't deal with men and women having rights but they just deal with the law as they see it so little piece of history there's two 13th amendments most people don't know this but the first 13th amendment was passed around the early 1800s and it was probably one of the main causes for the war of 1812 the british one the british what it did is it outlawed any foreign title like Esquire, which is what lawyers are, they're Esquires, is a title of nobility from the crown. The queen gives them that title and they practice her form of law, not the law of the land that the colonists fought to bring us during the Revolutionary War. So to answer your question, why don't they know or what do they know about the common law at all? No, they don't, because they seek to supplant that and replace it with a form of law called uh, civil law is based on Roman civil law, Babylon, which has nothing to do with human rights, doesn't acknowledge your individual alienable rights, inalienable rights at all. It seeks to control and subjugate. So the problem we have in America, one of the biggest problems as I see it, is we have to get to a place where our population, and that's why this broadcast is so important, that our people are once again brought to a knowledge of the fact that there is a different kind of law available to them that they can directly control and they can sit on a jury and they can actually they can they can nullify a law they can look at a law that the lawyers wrote and they can say we don't like that law or in this case it doesn't apply we're going to strike that law down and throw this case out and not even hear the evidence or they can also as a common law jury they can see the evidence and they can rule on the facts and say based on the facts of this law, of this case, we're not going to convict this client. And that's called jury nullification. And that's one very effective way of us chipping away at all these bad laws mm-hmm. through the common law, through common law juries. Okay. And I have, I have so many questions and I'm, I'm like inclined to kind of jump around and go back to row. But since we're on this, I'm curious like given that the, the people who think they're in charge and who are wielding their false power are ignorant of these things, that seems to me like a big breakdown. Like I, I like you first got turned on to this whole conversation in 2015 when I took a sovereignty class at uh, Spawn Ranch, the old Manson Ranch. And oh, really? that was my first go at like switching up my status and for me, that experience attracted more cop energy than I had ever attracted. And when I would use my little catchphrases, it only pissed them off and got me into more trouble because, you know, that the people in those positions are so like fundamentally disempowered that they just defer to like false power, brute force. And for me, it really turned me off because it was like, well, unless I can educate the whole world as to the fact that I'm in alignment with these countries' ideals, this isn't really working for me. Correct. Yeah, that's that's a big problem. Uh, we have the same problem with, with the assembly that I work with, uh, the American Assembly Project. We talked about that, and I'll provide you a link to that. Uh, 
Um, right now here on Taos County, we're particularly dealing with um, some, some bullying from the Sheriff's Department. Um, they are stepping into an area that's not even their jurisdiction, involving themselves in the serving of civil, civil warrants. And there's a difference between a civil warrant and a grand jury warrant for say a felony. Like let's say you murder somebody or rape somebody or steal somebody's property. That's a trespass or property trespass and that's arrestable offense. But a traffic offense or a statutory violation, those are not arrestable offenses. And so they've overstepped their jurisdiction and they are attempting to arrest one of our assembly members over a civil bench warrant regarding get this, the unlawful mask mandate that Grisham had. And in fact, the day that she was arrested, there wasn't even a mask mandate in place. It was the period between when the, it had gone off and then when it came back, yep. it was in that period in between. And they arrested her at the courthouse for not wearing a mask. And the thing, this is a good way to segue into the, um, the whole question about Roe, because uh, there's a Supreme Court decision going back to 1803 called Marbury versus Madison that every American should be familiar with. Have you heard of it? it I've only heard about it in your notes, but can you please yeah, catch us up to yeah. speed? So basically it said, this is 1803. And basically they, the Supreme Court said that any, any law that's repugnant to the constitution, in other words, if it's, if, it's, if it's opposed to the constitution, it's unlawful. And it's unlawful from the beginning of when it was when it was put forth. It, there's no need for a repeal. Here's what people understand: as far as the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates and the social distancing, these are all unconstitutional laws. They are not in alignment with the Constitution. For example, here in New Mexico, Article Two, Section Three of our state constitution says that the people of this state possess the sole an exclusive right of self-government. Now, how can you be self-governing if some arbitrary town council, I call them the clown council here on Taos, they yeah. can get together and have a closed Zoom meeting and say, hey, guess what? Y'all gotta wear a mask and suffocate yourself. From the very minute they said that, that law was unconstitutional. Therefore, according to the Supreme Court, it creates no office, no courts bound to enforce it. There are no liability protections for those who seek to enforce. In other words, their ass is hanging out to dry because they can be tried for any number of crimes. And we intend to do that um, because they broke the law. They denied everybody in Taos County due process mm -hmm. by just deciding that we're gonna make all you people suffocate yourself, right? Over a non-existent virus. Right. doesn't matter what the views are about COVID. They're, they don't have the right, and they stepped over the line, and they violated the Constitution of the state and the federal Constitution. So therefore, no one's obliged to obey that law, right. period. But what do we tell these crooked sheriffs, these crooked cops, you know, like everyone who's on the payroll who's enforcing? I mean, just the fact that these meetings happen behind closed doors is in violation of the Open Meetings Act. You, and I just wanna, for anyone who's watching and who is inclined to hold these people liable, I am willing to share every single email that I have sent our governor, our city council in Santa Fe and our mayor, giving them facts and figures 
you know, that they have willfully ignored. But given this, you know, this level and all these layers of collusion, who who is going to enforce actual constitutional justice? The only people that can do that, Danny, is we the people. And we have to, and that's why I work with the assembly. We have to assemble, you know, the First Amendment right of peaceably assembling. Um, I've been looking closely at that. It has nothing to do with making a placard, going on the street corner, standing there saying, hey, I'm upset about this, I'm upset about that. It has to do with assembling your own government, okay? In colonial times, the time of the drafting of the Constitution, um, they already had all these things. And I'll give you some proof. At the Civil War, when the Civil War ended, the generals wanted to find a place where they could meet and sign the peace treaty. And they chose the McLean Ranch. And, but, but they don't call it that in history. You can go to, in Virginia, it's called the Appomattox Courthouse. It's actually a ranch. It's a private residence. But that was where the people assembled their court system. See, they already had all that. The Constitution didn't create any of that. It's silent for the most part, except for the Seventh Amendment mentions suits of common law, acknowledging the fact that the common law was in existence at that time, but it didn't create any of those systems. They were already in place. The problem was civil war they all got bombed out and never got reconstructed. So the assembly is busy rebuilding all that. So to answer your question directly, the answer is people need to rise up, realize their own power, realize their own ability and their own right to self-govern and self-determine their own destiny, their own future, assemble, join their assembly, assemble, find a place to serve and get involved. And we can then, when we get all of our counties reseated and all organized, we can in every county assemble a common law jury. We can meet grand juries. We can issue indictments. We can bring these people in on their crimes and using our militia, which is part of our assembly and jury pool, same jury militia, same thing, they're synonymous. Those terms are, are interchangeable. If you're in the jury, you're a member of the militia. If you're a member of the militia, you're in the jury. Wait, wait. can you unpack that piece? Because when I think of militia, and I know that law law terms are quite different than like our our, our sort of um, civilian understanding. But when I think of militia, I think of people armed with weapons. So is am I just misunderstanding that word that a jury is synonymous with militia? That, no, that you're perfectly understanding it. That is, we the people. The Second Amendment exists, because, well, it says right in the context of the Second Amendment, the, the security of a free state being essential, the right of the people to keep bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, it, we have a right to bear arms. Why? Because we are supposed to be providing security for our free state. We shouldn't be leasing it out or subcontracting it out to Pinkerton cops. These guys, they're, most of them are PTSD damaged, uh, you know, anabolic steroid addicted rage heads that aren't fit to carry a weapon. I would much rather have my neighbor be armed, trained in how to use those armed and ready to respond at a moment's notice to any threat. For example, the Summer of Love riots. How do you know Trump is part of the cabal? Here's how. 
Because when those riots happened, he had the authority to call up the militia to quell that riot, but he didn't do it. Why? He's not on our team. He's not playing for us. He's not one of us. He's part of the cabal. It's all part of it. They're all actors. So the militia is supposed to be the peacekeeping force for a community. Mm-hmm. Who better? Who better? I have a book, part of the series by Brent Ella Winters. There's, there's this one on don't talk to the police. Mm-hmm. There's this one on the jury. There's this one on the constitution. And one more that I've lent out on the militia where he says, and this is confirmed by my history in going to Boston as a child, the Minutemen, ever heard that phrase, the Minutemen? Yes, yes. At the Lawson yes. and Concord Green, when yeah. the British came and said, throw down your arms, who resisted them? That was the militia. It wasn't the police. There was no police. Oh. That was the militia. Militia did that. Interesting. Who fought the Revolutionary War? The militia did that. Mm. The Continental Congress called up the militia and appointed Washington as the commander in chief. And the militia fought the war with the help from, of course, um, from France and the Indians actually helped us too. But um, we're supposed to be doing our own security for our communities. That's part of the assembly. That's part of what we're trying. We have what we call the four pillars of our assembly. Mm-hmm. And one of them is the jural assembly, which is the court. One of them is the militia because we provide security. So those roles are interchangeable. If you're one of the people, you're, you are obliged to be armed and be able to respond to whatever threat there is. We all know now that there's Supreme Court cases that have come out and told us that the police are not there to protect you. Well, then why are they there? They're there to keep you in line with the ruling class. They are not your friend. They are, the, they are, in the words of Mark Passio, who you may know, I don't know if you know him or not. Yeah. They are the boots on the ground for the New World Order. That's what the police and military are. They don't work for us anymore. No. Okay. And people need to wake up that and reassemble and, and pull up, pull up, you know, pull up your own bootstraps and self-govern. Take back our country. And that's what the assembly is doing peacefully. We're not ever hitting violence. We're not saying go shoot the cops. We're not saying that. We're saying join your local assembly, get educated on how to assert your rights. Because if you don't know how to assert them, you don't have any, period. We have a seminar at the assembly called Constitutional Enforcement Seminar. We teach you how to enforce your rights. That feels really valuable. Yeah, extremely. So getting back to Roe, since we want to bring that in because that's how we got in this chat, right? The Roe versus Wade decision um, really was a political thing. Uh, most people realize that yeah. now, okay? Yeah. The Supreme Court is, is, they're not the final say about what the law is, but the media makes them sound that way. Now there is some merit to citing Supreme Court cases because precedent, sometimes helps because if you can look to a superior court and say well they said so then you've got some some room to stay you know lay to stand on but the bottom line is if you read the seventh amendment to the constitution it clearly says that no court in the united states can overturn a decision of a jury trial a common law jury trial that is where all the power 
lives in we the people. And that's how the people exercise their power by sitting in the jury and, and hearing this, hearing the matter and deciding. So I think it's a good thing they threw it back to the states because now we can, we can assemble our states, assemble our juries, that we can decide. Mm-hmm. I see it as a good, but they're stoking up the flames of discontent and they're trying to use it as a political to, to divide and conquer. You know that. Yeah. I'm not telling totally. you something you don't know. Yeah, totally. And um, can you help like break down? Because I know so many people are freaking out. And granted, there's there's so much mind control manipulation going on. But I hear people who are more constitutionally educated than I am saying, this is a wonderful thing. And this is how it should have been from the get-go. And that, that should it was never the federal government's place to have any legislation around our body. Is that, can you help them? That's correct, because every state constitution has something like what ours is, section two, uh, article two, section three, which says you have the right to self-govern. Every state, that's part of a Republican form of government. Article four, section four of our federal constitution says that the United States, that's the federal government, is supposed to guarantee to every state of the union a Republican form of government. And bodily autonomy, self-government is part of a Republican government. It's a foundational thing. Mm -hmm. So they never had the business to say yay or nay either way. Got it. It was a surprise issue from the very beginning. Okay. And and now they're just, I think uh, it's cleverly orchestrated to divide us even further now. And I hope the American people will see through that and not get all stoked up and angry. Our anger should be directed at those who are trying to dominate and rule us. That's who we should be angry at, not at each other. Completely. So I um, I want to stay with the Supreme Court for, for a second and unpack a few other things. But I know that they also just made a decision about like EPA and carbon control that was another win for states. Right. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, you know, that Trump's part of the cabal and in on it. And and the timing of this is obviously political. But, you know, these Supreme Court justices that we have now, are they in it? In on it? Are they operating out of some sort of like righteous and true and aligned um, devotion to the Constitution? Are they playing us as well? I like Justice Clarence Thomas. I've always liked him. Yeah. Uh, I think he might be a straight up honorable man. Um, Alito, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this new one that doesn't even know what a woman is. Uh, she's clearly uh, got an agenda. Right. Um, even Comey Barrett, I don't know. She's disappointed me with the whole uh, election thing. Uh, she voted against the, um, you know, clarifying the vote and you know january 6th the whole debacle that happened that you know yeah so i don't i can't i can't i'm not in their mind yeah but i can tell you this that they don't have the authority to make these decisions we the people do mm-hmm. i sent you that chart that's yeah. with the break right the power flows and this is this is also in the new mexico state constitution article 2 section 2 all political power is derived and flows from the people, not from their elected officials. See, what happened in the Civil War is the Congress had been, up until those seven states, eventually 11, walked out, 
they had been a du jour Congress. And I know you love words. So I'll throw two words at you, de facto and du jour. Mm-hmm. Are you through these two words? I've heard, I've heard them and I'm excited to hear you break them down. De facto means fake. It means existing in fact, but not lawfully established. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because there's no, there's no answer there. The okay. answer is in du jour. The du jour is means lawful, of law. De jour is juro, which means law. So de facto is existing in fact. It's there. It usually operates under a system of violence or coercion, but mm-hmm. it's not lawful. De jour is lawful. So when the Civil War happened and seven states walked out of Congress, Congress was reconvened by executive order. Sound familiar? Lincoln started all that. Okay. With, with General Order Number 100, he reconvened Congress as a corporate de facto trusteeship, basically. They, so Lincoln he created the public out? charitable trust. Yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln was a bad, bad man. He's not at all what they say he was. He's a bad, he was a lawyer. He wasn't even eligible to run for office because the original 13th Amendment I talked about earlier, I didn't finish my thought, barred lawyers from holding office. Ooh. So under that amendment, nobody in Congress should even be there. Congress is now operating as a trustee, a board of trustees overseeing a bankruptcy of the largest entity ever in history to go bankrupt, the United States government. They are in right. bankruptcy. Right. So the, the problem is that the people need to reassemble our du jour government. I hope I'm making that point. Du jour means proper. It means lawful. We the people, if you read the Constitution, we the people, yada, 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 blah, 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 do ordain and establish this Constitution. Where did it all come from? We the people. So we the people are the answer. We the people are the ones who possess the power to reconvene our general assemblies. And unlike a central government, that top-down power flows, right? It flows from the top down. Well, the way it's supposed to be in America is it flows from the bottom up. The people are the sovereigns. And there's, there's a word. You were talking about how they use their word. They beat you with their words. They hate that word. They hate that word, they sovereign. They hate that word. That word gets me censored so often. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate that word. But you know what? Supreme Court said in 1795, at the revolution, the sovereignty devolved upon the people. And they are the sovereigns of this country. But they are sovereigns without subjects, with only themselves to govern. That's what a Republican government is all about. The people are sovereign, but they don't use political parties to beat their opponents up and say, do as I say. They govern themselves and they come together in juries and get together and they figure out what works best. And it may vary from area to area. That's why a central government doesn't ever work because you can't have a top-down hierarchy because what works in Carolina might not work in Florida, right? So the people those areas have to figure out for themselves what works. And that's what made our government work so well. We had the ability to do that. Yeah. We have to get back to it. So I encourage viewers out. The American State Assembly Project. um, The American States Assembly Project, T-A-S-A dot American State Nationals dot O-R-G. Check us out there. That's the solution. 
The cool. First Amendment is not about protesting, holding a sign up. It's about assembling your government because we have we have been very, very, shall we say, um, lax in keeping our public servants accountable. And the answer lies in each one of us. It's our responsibility to take back the control of our government. And that's how we do it from the ground up. Any so questions? Let me ask you, because I, I do want to go jump back to the to Roe, but first, because you mentioned Mark Passio, and you know, it was Mark Passio who turned me on to the etymology of government, meaning mind control. So do we really want to establish more and more government, even if it is by we the people? We want to get away from it being a corporation. What we're dealing with now is um, a corporate structure that has been put in place by lawyers of the bar that operates under corporate motives. And a corporation's motive and intent is to what? To make, make money. money. <laughs> right. So we are forming the United States of America unincorporated. We work by committee. We work by people, not for profit, it's a, it's a, we're interested in restoring a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Mm -hmm. And the only way that's gonna work for everyone is if everyone gets involved. So the difference is a corporation only has one goal, make money. And that's why politicians and lobbyists, that's why we're in the mess we're in. Every single town, every single county, every single state goes by a corporate name. And they, they trick us. It's semantic deceit. Like, for example, we have a bunch of guys, a bunch of bozos here on Taos at 105 Albright Road that call themselves Taos County Magistrate Courthouse. It's not a courthouse. It's a private, for-profit business. It has principals, shareholders. It has investors. It has officers. And their responsibility is to make money. That's why they're more concerned with having every single person with the wrong sticker on their car pulled over and fined and dragged into their court to pay because that makes them money. But is there a crime being committed? No. no. I went to jail for not wearing a seatbelt because I don't want to have a license. And so that guy- Do you not uh, have a, no license, no registration? Is that how you're rolling? That's how I'm rolling, yeah. And that's so how you're yeah. Okay. So how does that, so, so you, like you said, you just went to jail. So. Yeah. Because they're running a, they're running a, they're running a for-profit justice system that profits from throwing people in jail. That there's a motivation for them to throw people in jail. Was there a moment where they, they let you go and threw the case out and apologized and asked you not to sue them? I quite apologize, but Jeffrey Shannon, um, who was the next level up above Ortega looked at my case and he could see from the evidence that there was no evidence on the record to support a criminal contempt charge, mm -hmm. which is what Ortega threw at me. He didn't throw me in jail under the seatbelt. That's not really a jailable offense. He threw me in jail because I wouldn't submit to his jurisdiction. I wouldn't follow his order. So what does that mean? What didn't you do? He told me to stand behind the podium and answer as the defendant. And I refused to do that. I don't want to get too, too detailed, but he threw a contempt charge at me, a criminal contempt charge at me, hoping it would stick. 
It took my family 16 days to get me in front of a public defender and in front of Judge Shannon, who immediately looked at it and said, this is a travesty of justice. There's no evidence to support this man being in jail for a minute, never mind 90 days. You're free to go. The case was dismissed. Explain that. Well, we, the only way to fix that is by taking back our courts. And the only way to do that is to outnumber them, to reassemble and outnumber them. Again, contact your general assembly, contact your state assembly and find out how you can help us to end this tyranny because we are being ruled by corporate dictates, mm -hmm. corporate mandates. They don't give a rat's ass about your rights, Danny. I think we all know that. Oh yeah. They're interested in making... Yeah, so I really like what you're saying for a number of reasons. As I mentioned, I've been in and out of the sovereignty conversation for a while, um, and I've had my own personal issues. I like the grounded practicality of we need to outnumber them. I like this piece of we have a militia. You know, that makes sense. We're still peaceful, still devoted to peace. Um, so I really appreciate that. I, and I, and I want to spend more time here, but jumping back to Roe, so one of the things that I had expressed concern about, for, again, from my limited understanding, I am not a constitutional lawyer or expert by any means, but I did hear that this was the first time that the Supreme Court rescinded or rolled back a constitutional amendment. So I immediately go to, well, what are they going to do about the second amendment? So am I like, where is my thinking erroneous here? And does this actually set a precedent that would give them opening to mess with the Second Amendment. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust you enjoyed the first half of my conversation with Vincent James. Please join us for the second half over at my locals page, dannycats.locals.com or on my Patreon, patreon.com slash dannycats. Before you navigate on over, be sure to hit that subscribe button to like and to share as your podcast listening platform supports such actions. And thanks for taking the time for being part of our high vibe tribe. I'll see you over on the other platforms for the second half of my conversation with Mr. Vincent James. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And as you are inspired to learn more about my quantum languaging work, about my books, my homeschool courses, my transformational and empowered badassery coaching, check out my website, dannycats.com. As well, track all of my latest content on my locals page, dannycats.locals.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon, tribe.